excited to share this episode with Mitchell. Um, I'm actually now back in New Jersey with my family, but um, so it's pretty cool to be sharing an episode with a an Austin local uh, like myself normally. Um, but yeah, Mitchell's so awesome and definitely stay tuned to the end so that you can hear his incredible voice. He's so talented and I still can't get over the fact that he's 21 because he is so much wiser than I am at 26. Um, But before I jump into the episode, I wanted to talk to you about one of my sponsors is because I haven't actually mentioned them in a while and I've been doing myself and themselves a disservice because they're such an awesome company. So Saqqara is a proud sponsor of Solace in the City and, um, you know, I've been giving out my code XOZOE um, usually just for 20% off your initial purchase. Um, but they've been having an um, early access Black Friday sale that's now over for the public. However, you guys still have 10 days to use my um, my Black Friday code for 25% off the entire site, even the holiday shop. Um, so there is such, um, in addition to just like the my regular things that I use, like the um, coconut granola and the metabolism super powder and their probiotics, which I like are essentials to me. Um, this code is also applicable to the holiday shop, which is so awesome. And if you're looking for gifts for friends, family members, um, your partner, et cetera, that, et cetera, they have like everything from um, Turkish cottage robes or sorry, Turkish cotton robes, my bad. Um, and like the popcorn holiday trio, which I always love um, as well as like breakfast and bed gifts. So um chocolates, just so many awesome things. And especially if you're thinking of a gift and you don't know what to get, um, you can get these amazing things for 25% off. So to get to get all this great stuff, all you have to do is go to sakara.com and then you can use my code XOZOE dash BF21. So that's XOZOE dash BF21. Make sure to get check it out as soon as possible because, again, you have only 10 days left. So use it. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, and let me know what you think. I have I was just texting um, a friend, and she was like, Zoe, I'm so thankful for your Saqqara code. So hopefully um, the rest of you can jump on board. But without further ado, here is Mitchell Davis. I am so excited to be here with a local musician in Austin, Texas named Mitchell Davis. Thanks so much for being here in person. This is so exciting. Um, I'm excited to be here. So why don't you start off by telling me a little bit about yourself? Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? How old are you? What's your story? Yeah. um, So my name's um, Mitchell Dillenbeck, but I go by Mitchell Davis for my my music stuff. I'm from Memphis. Um, actually, just moved to Austin about four months ago. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, just just moved here for music. A lot of people um, thought that I should have gone to Nashville, just being so close. But True. Um, it's uh, it's been awesome. 
Austin's like the live music capital of the world here. So, um, yeah, so chose to come here. Um, let's see, I've been, uh, been doing music for, for a while. Um, started probably around 15, 16, getting into like music vocals and I'm only 21 now. So oh God, you're so young. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel old. No, no. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, just basic, basic stuff. Okay. So you said you got into music. I mean, that's like not that long ago for you. Well, um, so I started in middle school, um, like doing, I played French horn for a year, absolute worst year of my life. Um, and like, you know how it was set up. The kids behind me were in percussion and I was always just like looking back at them and I'm just like, I want to be doing that. So, um, for the next seven years after that first year I did, uh, drums. So, uh, percussive instruments, stuff like that. Um, drumline in high school. Um, but I was just doing like marching band and I'm like, well, I, I want to play for people. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want it to just be like a, you know, that one kid marching band yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, so I started playing guitar my sophomore year of high school. Um, and I had been, I think I'd been singing a little bit, um, but never really put any work into it. Um, like, throughout middle school um I did like choir and like elementary school and stuff like that um but just started putting more work into it like my sophomore year um and that's when I started wanting to to kind of grow as a musician and really uh kind of push myself to to get better yeah I mean you have like a really amazing voice I feel like that's hard to just you know quote-unquote like work on and like build so like was your is your family musical like did you um to an extent um like my dad did all state choir uh, when he was in high school but i didn't know that until i was 16 he just like just didn't tell me that um, yeah and i was just like that makes uh, sense that, that <laughs> makes sense um and not really on my mom's side there wasn't like much music in the house um around me i i know i I have this memory of asking for like an electronic keyboard when I was like probably like five or six. Um, and you know, I, I just kind of was drawn to it. Um, whenever there's a piano around, I was just like, I want to go play that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so no, like nobody in the family was really like pushing me towards it. It was just kind of an outlet that I, that I got into. And uh, I feel like music was always just something that just drew me towards it. Um, but, yeah, no, I put work into it, but just I, I recorded myself. I got a setup like we're talking on now, mm-hmm. and I started learning some of my favorite songs and singing them. And I listened back to it, and obviously hated it the first time. Like anybody that listens to their voice for the first time, they're just oh yeah, like, oh, you're God, t- preaching to the choir. Don't want to hear that. <laughs> Literally <laughs> listening to my podcast episodes, I'm like, oh my God, Zoe, shut up. <laughs> um, and I just listened to it and figured out what I wanted to change about how I was singing for first few years and that's that's how I made a bulk of my progress damn okay so at what point were you like I want to do this like full time like um, commit my like life to it and move you know not across the country but like close to it I think well it kind of went in stages I was going to school at University of Memphis um and I've always just been in like creative fields um I actually started as a fashion major in uh when I did my first year at uh University of Memphis and I had my own like little clothing startup clothing brand 
um, and then switched to business so I could kind of understand the ins and outs and like run that business. And then uh, accounting too happened. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, absolutely not. <laughs> I hate everything about this. And all the while I was playing music, um, always trying to get like small bar gigs um, and only ended up playing a couple um, just because I had so many creative outlets mm-hmm. that it was always hard for me to focus on one of them. Yeah, that I feel that. Um, but music has been the most consistent one for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like it's having so many is the reason that I haven't pushed farther in just music. Um, like I remember listening back to your podcast with, uh, Noah Khan. Shout out. Yes. Uh, (laughs) love, love his songwriting, love everything about it. He, he's kind of been on just, just listening in like from the shallow surface view of that podcast. It seems like he's been writing and been, you know, just on that track since very, very young. Yeah. Um, and I haven't really. Um, so I've just kind of like been skimming the surface most of this time. Um, but I'm looking to, to kind of break, break out of my habits of going in and out with it and just putting full force into it. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think it's interesting that you, you know, are drawn to like creativity in all, you know, different, in different forms, whether it be fashion and music, because I feel like a lot of creatives I have on this podcast use, you know, whether it's art or singing or writing or et cetera, as kind of an outlet to express emotions whether it's something you know um happy sad etc like I think Noah was on said putting words into existence there's like just something so powerful about that did you find yourself kind of being drawn to whether it be music or fashion at like points in your life when you were maybe you know dealing with something or going through something yeah I mean um I think definitely during times that you're feeling alone, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Music is definitely one of those things that I turn to, um, which has been, you know, frequently, especially like moving to a new city. Yeah. That's absolutely scary as anything. And music has been a consistent, so it's easily something to turn back to. Um, But, you know, as I look back at it, it's, it's something that brought people towards me, you know, like, um, you know, you, if you hear live music, a lot of people are just kind of drawn to it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was, that might've been one of the, the motivators. Um, like now that I, I love psychology, so I've already kind of done <laughs> like this kind of thinking of, Hmm, maybe I didn't like feel like I was getting enough attention at this point in my life or that point in my life. So that's when I started putting more <laughs> effort into it or. That's um, so interesting you're like pretty self-aware to be able to take a step back and like put those puzzle pieces together. Yeah. I, um, I just love thinking about psychology and what's going on in my brain. Cause I know for the most part, I know what steps I can take to make myself put myself into a better position, but it's all about like doing those things. Yeah. But, yeah. um, you know, obviously at the time, like I had no idea. I wasn't really thinking about it in that like outside looking. Yeah. You know, looking at 2020. Right. So speaking of 2020, <laughs> um, it 
it's oh, it seems like this move to Austin. I mean, you said like four months ago, post pandemic, or at least post the worst part of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Was that kind of what inspired you to come here? Like, um, I not necessarily. I really just wanted to get out of Memphis for a really long time, and I was definitely spurred to start looking for new places during the pandemic for sure um i've always wanted to travel and and just you know i want to live multiple places in my life this is kind of like one of the stops of many hopefully Mm -hmm. um and you know throughout the you know the bulk of the the pandemic i was really wanting to work on my mental health because i know a lot of a lot of people just fell into these you know deep dark pits not being able to see people and and get out and do all that stuff so um i feel like that time helped me put a lot of things into perspective and then whenever things got back to normal um then i started kind of falling back into old habits and you know it you know it took me a lot longer to get out here than than i wanted to i think i had planned on january and oh okay um and ended up just you know mind over matter just you know do it if you say you're gonna do it do it yeah um kind of things so so you you talked about kind of like prioritizing your mental health during the pandemic before that like had you ever dealt with any sort of like mental health battles whether it's like anxiety you know loneliness um, you're so young. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you would be like, I don't know, 19, but like still, yeah. um, definitely during high school. Um, I, I dealt with a lot of, um, social anxiety for sure. Um, I was, I was a lot bigger of a kid than, um, I was, uh, definitely overweight had. I'm um, like looking at you. You're yeah. literally like <laughs> a scarecrow. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm, I'm super lanky now. I, um, yeah, I think I was like, five eight two twenty and now i'm like six two one seventy or something like that it's a big definitely big change there um but yeah so i i didn't have a lot of confidence like there and it transferred over when even when i dropped the weight i started running and that you know that helped me out mentally for sure um but I still had the, you know, body dysmorphia and the social anxieties. Those all still stay, even when the weight's gone. So that was, like, my first struggle that I really recognized and, like, um, wanted to start working on. I was so, like, I felt inept socially that I just didn't know how to traverse, like, everyday conversations. I got so anxious about it, and I was, like, so in my head about what the other person thought that I was going to say that I didn't say what I wanted to say, and then I was like, you know, when was the last time somebody else thought about something embarrassing you said? No, they're thinking about what they said that was embarrassing. So whenever I, like, that simple thought of when was the last time somebody you know, thought of what you said that was embarrassing. Yeah, it kind that of like changed my, my outlook on, on conversation, essentially. Yeah, and I mean, it also makes sense that you're drawn to performing because it's a way of expressing yourself without having to, you know, to actually talk converse to people. with people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's really, but at the same time, it, that's so, fun. would you consider yourself like an introvert? 
I would say so. Yeah, for the most part. I um I think what really helped me the most was I started in the service industry at like seventeen. I worked at Sonic. I was a car hop. And oh it my was gosh. awful. It was terrible, but it made me talk to people. Yeah. Um so that kind of started it and then I went to a fine dining restaurant where I really had to start talking to people. And I say that like entirely changed my personality. Like wow. now I can talk to pretty much anybody all the time like it's it's what I'm paid to do and I kind of have to be social even on the days when I'm absolutely burnt which is another thing we can get to um about like the being social and like having to do that for work yeah you know hopefully you're you're dealing with nice people for the most part yeah Austin is full of nice people yeah oh my gosh if you were New York mm -mm. (laughs) yeah (laughs) I would not have a I was going to say, like, I'm imagining myself working in, like, a New Jersey Sonic. I don't think I'd last a day. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, even from Memphis, like, we're supposed to have, like, Southern hospitality there. Um, but it's nothing compared to here. Like, wow. Um, yeah, everybody's just so nice. I think, like, I've had just multiple conversations with people just walking on the street. Yeah. Like, already. And I'm just like. I was God, literally thinking about that the other day. I was on a run and, like people like smiled to me like as they were on their run i was like that just would never happen in any other city (laughs) yeah so we both are austin transplants um i'm curious kind of what your experience has i mean from what you've said and you know seemingly positive but as with everything like you know nothing's perfect despite like instagram pose and and things like that so how have you found you know now that you've been in Austin for a couple of months like how have you found um your mental health to be and just that adjustment um it's it's been a little bit tough I'm not gonna lie it was it was felt like pretty good for the first month and just you know moving nine plus hours away where I'm from and not having anybody else around me. I felt like I did pretty well with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But Austin's social scene is like, it's very heavy on the alcohol. Yeah. Um, And that's also just in my age bracket too. Um, You know, Mm, 21 year olds love to drink. Yeah. And (laughs) and 26 year old and 27 year old. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, everybody loves to drink. Um, But, you know, that's especially how people might meet each other because I feel like we're all kind of in that same, like, socially anxious um, group where we kind of just need that social lubricant mm-hmm. um, to, to get to know people. That's just kind of the normal thing. Um, like, you wouldn't swipe on somebody on Tinder and be like, yeah, do you want to just, like, go to a park and have a picnic? No, See, I that's, would. That's, not <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um but then but like, what? Yeah, so that's, that's the one thing that I struggled with the most is so far is just the, you know, the drinking aspect. And that is obviously a, a depressant. And being a bartender, it's just always around. Yeah, that's so interesting, especially because I feel like the two places where alcohol abuse kind of is very, it's easy to fall in that world are like, restaurants like working in the restaurant industry and working in like the music industry so yeah yeah for yeah, sure that's that's so interesting and yeah I mean I've definitely 
I mean, granted, it's not like New York City is some like sober capital of the world. Yeah. It's just, you're going out and you're paying a lot more for drinks, but it's definitely something I've had to kind of like check myself on a lot and be like, do I really want to go out till four in the morning or right. like, will I feel like crap the next day? And like, will that, will I have an emotional hangover, which obviously is not great considering that I'm an emotional person and I don't need the, that, um, you know, extra literal depressive stuff. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So how have you like coped with that, I guess, or like um, find the balance? <laughs> that's it yeah who says i found the balance yeah. <laughs> right um it's it's really just trying to trying to limit the limit the consumption and start trying to socialize more without having that uh you know having that crutch on it yeah so much um because it seems like a lot of a lot of people around here do um but it's it's nice. My roommate is sober. He's been sober for years. So it's I, I always like, you know, chatting with him, getting his perspective on, you know, all of these different um, like social things, you know, that he's like going out to do without alcohol. I'm like, isn't that weird for you? He's like, it was. Yeah. Now I just don't think about it. You know, it's we <laughs> think about it for the most part. And unless you, you know, got into some stuff early, a pretty long ways in our lives before alcohol was you know introduced and it yeah. made things it made things easier but you know I'm I'm trying to find a a nice balance there it's a uh, um you know it's also it's so funny like thinking about how you said you know 21 year olds or whatever like uh, let's say millennials gen z years like is it is it be, alcohol's become a social lubricant we rely on because I feel like that I kind of doubt, I mean, this is me making an assumption, but I feel like that I kind of doubt that was the, the case. Like let's say 20 years ago, I just feel like we live in this society that because of like social media and like this virtual world where we're not interacting with people on a day to day basis. And we, you know, we're meeting people like potential partners through apps. We're communicating with friends over the phone and like, especially then couple that with a year and a half long pandemic. It's like that I think is what's caused our generation to need liquid courage and like not feel comfortable in sociable, like social situations. Whereas yeah, I mean, my, my mom drinks, but I, I, she has no inhibitions. Like I, I don't think when she was, you know, 26, she was having those same things. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, I kind of see it like it's the, the anxiety of not being able to just get back to it later, you know, like shooting a text or like phone calls. You can just hang up, talk about something whenever there's like a a silence or whatever and be like, Oh, well, okay. That's all I had to say. Yeah. Uh, I'll talk to you later. Bye. No, um, you're still sitting at a table with somebody. Yeah, that's uh, true. Appetizers <laughs> just out, and you're like waiting on your entrees, and you're just like, well, we're out of stuff to talk about. So, <laughs> you know, what are we going to do for the next 45 minutes? Whatever. Yeah. Um, you or know, like I in a, a public space when you're like stuck in a conversation with someone, you're like, how do I leave this? <laughs> yeah, you, oh my goodness. That is one of the, like, <laughs> that is one of the pains of being a bartender is like somebody's trying to chat with you and there's like a line of like 17 people behind him. And I'm like, look, man, I'm sure you're great. And yeah. You've probably got a lot of good stuff to say, but dude, 
you got your drink go yeah <laughs> like, um yeah that happens all the time and that is one of my anxieties <laughs> for sure i'm just like okay i need to i I don't want to break your heart, but I got to go. Yeah. Like, you know? Toughing up people pleasing bartender. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's tough, but no, yeah, it's, it's a good point with the social media and all of that stuff. We don't have as much face to face conversation as I'm sure somebody 20 years ago would. Yeah. No, I think about that literally all the time, especially having this podcast because I feel like there's only, I mean, there's probably more, but this is like my saying that I've made up. There's like two ways to have an, authentic conversation with someone one is through recording a podcast with me and the other is like going on a hike because like oh, when yeah. else do you really talk to someone you know yeah or I, at least I, which is kind of sad it's very sad sad but true um yeah, yeah. no i love love hikes because it um kind of gets your mind off everything else and you know nature brings in the, the dopamine boost too so mm-hmm. Um, you also have nothing else distracting you. Like I've noticed that in so many conversations that I had, um, like just when I was younger, I was so ADHD that like be having a great conversation and then my mind like just drifted off to something else. I'm just like, what were we talking about <laughs> in the first place? And yeah. you know, if you're like doing a podcast or if you're out hiking, you don't have much other stuff to distract you. So you can yeah. actually lock into somebody and have a conversation for an hour plus. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so true. So I'm, I'm curious, like, I mean, you're, so you're a guy who, who's like pretty open about his mental health, I guess, which is rare, unfortunately. I yeah. Mean, yeah. No. Luckily, like COVID has shed light on, you know, the mental health epidemic in our country, but I feel like people, especially men are still a little unwilling to talk about it, I guess. Yeah two-part question one is like what like have you always been open about your mental health or is like you know like I guess I'm trying to think of how to phrase this but like you know what has made you feel comfortable speaking more openly about it and yeah that's my first part of the question yeah um I wouldn't say I've always been like open about it I think I've been honest to myself um about like what's going on yeah Um, especially if you're interested in psychology yeah um like I didn't know what anxiety was but I knew the feeling that I had and once I had figured out that's what that was I was like oh my god yeah this just opened a door like that's what's happening to me right now and during the pandemic um when I started running and reading and just overall being healthier um I was sleeping well. I was, you know, I was learning because I was reading um, and running was putting me in such good shape. I just felt great and I was sleeping better than ever and all of that. So that's like now my baseline. I feel like that's what opened me up about it so much is I had a point where I was really, really happy um, and I didn't have much to worry about. Also uh, meditating. I was doing that as well. I need to on top work of on that. Yeah. All of that. Uh, yeah. It's has so many benefits, but I know I never end up doing it. I have too much anxiety <laughs> for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I feel like after that point where I was really happy and then, you know, went back. Um, yeah, it's like you have this barometer to this point. Just like, OK, so we need to find ways to get back there. Um, so I think holding things in um, 
you know, they're never going to get solved or they're going to get solved a lot slower unless you, or in my case um, specifically, because I know everybody's, everybody's different. Maybe you want to just put your head down and work on yourself. You might get it done quicker that way. Um, but I think if I put it out there, talk to my friends about it, um, it, you know, it gives you a point to start and, and start working and, you know, other friends can check up on you. It's kind of like, a you know, just a holding yourself accountable kind of a yeah, thing. Yeah. An accountability partner. There you go. Yeah. Um, you can kind of bring those in. No, I think that's so important. I think you know, my second part of the question is like, what advice would you give to someone specifically a guy who's like struggling with their mental health which unfortunately is so a many lot. people are um like how wow, to start that conversation with a friend yeah i i never know because a lot of guys just don't want to open up and i don't like pushing people to open up but yeah. the whole you know be a man uh thing is obviously awful and extremely detrimental um, to a lot of younger kids who are like, no, I, d- I don't need to be, you know, crying about something even though I want to, mm-hmm. um, you know, you got to keep that in. It's not something you're supposed to do or, you know, just trying to seem, I feel like just being guys trying to seem like you have it together. Um, yeah. most of the time, like which like none of us do. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I don't know why we're, we're all hell bent on, on trying to make that seem like what's going on, but I would say start um i don't know it's it's hard to say where to start because i know the personal experiences that work for me yeah and i say start inside start questioning um these different feelings and don't just kind of accept them as like you know your baseline feelings just be like why am i feeling like this or start try to start noticing like correlations in when i do this activity i'm happy when i do this one not so much yeah um and eventually you can string enough good things together and, you know, it's kind of like just the, the basic scientific experiment hypothesis, put it into effect and see, um, see what the outcome is. That's kind of how I treated mine. Um, yeah. And also I think it goes the, like the same way with people. Like does who, when I'm around this person, they make me happy. When I'm around this person, they make me kind of, you know, criticize myself like why is that maybe i should rethink like things like that yeah um and that's that's one big things you are a culmination of your five closest people and you could be a really great person and then obviously i can move to a new city have five new people and they could all be awful and then suddenly you know six months down the line i'm an entirely different person that's so is that up from like a book or something is that like that's kind of like a um it's a common common like thing that's so I've, interesting. I've heard it so many times yeah so you you take your personality from your five closest people because that's who you spend all your time with wow that makes so much and i sense. notice it all the time ever since i thought about it like all the sayings how i'm you know like phrasing something some like specific thing how i joke about things in certain situations i can pick out which friend it came from and I can pick out things in conversation with my friends that they got it, from me. So that's so wild. Oh my gosh. I'm going to like Google the shit out of this after yeah, this episode. Yeah. If you find where it's from, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that makes so much sense for, and ah, wow. And it's especially weird thinking too. Like, I mean, I have so many close friends and now we're all, you know, dispersed throughout the country, but totally see where you're coming from of like yeah. where who you're with 
physically and like physically spending time with like I've totally adapted mannerisms and, and sayings from my closest friends in Austin yeah and not saying that it works this way but like you bring in one toxic friend that's 20% of your personality which yeah. is something that could come out one fifth of the time wow that's crazy so, um, something interesting to think about um, yeah definitely check the crew that you're running with and see you know if they're an actual good fit sometimes it's better to be lonely for a little bit without those friends than to have them around but you know you were the wisest 21 year old I've <laughs> ever been in my life <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my gosh well thank you so I before I get into my final questions I I want to know like actually I'm gonna okay I'm gonna give quick background for everyone listening of as to how I met this I uh, met you um so my friend was proposing to my other friend on um the pedestrian bridge in Austin special moment and you happened to be playing you know for the public at that same point and and I'm like list I'm there like with the friends that are gonna you know surprise um the couple after the engagement and I text one of my friends who's in contact with the guy I was proposing and I'm like this mate this guy's singing like we should see if he would sing you know at the time of like a romantic song at the time of the proposal fortunately they didn't have like a favorite song that was um specific to them but um I just I mean I imagine if I like were you that would probably be like a very you know interesting (laughs) experience to witness and partake in yeah it was awesome I I loved it oh that was so cool I literally will treasure that day but I'm curious like what like what are one or two aside from that (laughs) of the like most special things you've encountered in performing that was definitely one of them that was the craziest thing um i was just like i get to play for a proposal that's like that's that's a crazy big point in their lives and i kind of like got to yeah be alongside it and see it it so that was that was really cool because i've never never done anything like that um other than that let's see I don't know. It doesn't it have to was, be in Austin. It can be anywhere. Yeah. It it was a really small thing, but like my first like real gig. I was playing at um at just a bar like that was near my, my old work back in Memphis. Um and you know, I got paid a fair bit of money um for it and it was just the craziest thing because I would have done it for free. Yeah. Uh, kind of thing. And people enjoyed it i had a lot of people turn out and support me for it and it was it was awesome like i guess it just made me realize that i can put in more work and do this all the time um yeah yeah. no that's i mean that's gotta be such an incredible feeling that's one thing i wish i had was like a really good singing voice so i could just Anybody can anybody can sing. And I promise. Yeah, but like a really good one. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking like I wish I like could just like my yeah. voice was Adele, you know. But yeah. girl can dream. Um, yeah, she can. <laughs> um, but I think a bigger moment was not me performing, but being at a concert and just being so moved by an artist that. I like that's what I'm searching for in this pursuit is to give that feeling to other people. Yeah. Um, just that odd, like, wow, this is 
you know, this is a special moment. Um, and it's just, obviously the, the point is getting a message across that other people feel that I'm struggling with and just, it's just a moment of connection, even though we're not talking face to face, you might even be like 50 feet away, whatever, but it's, it's just this immense connection through, um, through the words that, you know, yeah. I'm singing, they're singing. That's, uh. that's how I see music for sure. There've been like few songs that have, that have hit me. You like know, what? like that. Um, one was Heavenly Father by Bon Iver. Not, I'm not really a religious guy, but it is just I such an bon insane performance. And he, ca- it was the the Sydney Opera House one. You can find it on YouTube if you look it up. Okay, it's it's incredible. Throw on the nicest headphones you have access to and just get lost in it. It is absolutely insane. Okay, I'm sure I could think of um, a couple more um, performances, but that was that was one that stuck out in my memory for sure that like kind of push me towards I want to do that. That's I awesome. I want to give that to other people. So I always wrap up with a couple of questions yeah. um, somewhat related to this podcast and there'll be overlap. First question is what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? Ooh. Okay, so it's kind of like a it's a humble brag but it's awful I, d- I did an ultra marathon so it's a 30 mile race holy shit um yeah and it here no it was <laughs> back in memphis um but it broke me like when i got to i think mile like 28 and i had nothing left and my mind was just telling me to stop quit give up lay down and and die right there um I'd, I kept running for the next, like, two and a half miles, whatever it was, and it was just a, it was a breaking point. It was a flip that switched, a switch that flipped, there you go, <laughs> um, that just absolutely changed the way that I looked at hard, you know, obstacles in my life. Um, whenever you think you're done, you've only hit, like, 60% of your threshold. I think that's a, it's a David Goggins quote, um, which is tacky but you know um but he's right um yeah yeah. once you think you've hit something really hard you've only gone 60 percent of your capacity you still have 40 percent left i love that i love that quote and and i mean i guess from context for you maybe more so than some of my listeners who you know been listening throughout my journey with this podcast um like running is is really special for me um I lost a close friend who was a really big runner um to suicide and and he was a yeah a big runner and like I mean I was always loving running before that but now it's like I have takes on a whole new meaning kind of and whenever I go on a really long run like I just I think about him and he had he said this quote once um it was like if death is the separation of body and spirit then running is the purest form of aliveness and I just th- there's just so many it's a so beautiful and metaphorical like yeah. how running is it's just so many connections to like life and adversity and like struggle and it's literally just you you know it's just you moving your feet and like you're the own like not that you're your own biggest obstacle but you kind of are so like pushing through that and pushing through hard times um 
So I think, I mean, congrats on the 30 miles. That's a lot. I'm working on like a half marathon, eventually one day full marathon. But, um, no. so much fun. And I like that quote. I'm going to read more into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Do you believe everything happens for a reason? Not necessarily. Um, I think... um, Oh, I don't think everything happens for a reason, but I think how you react to them is the more more important thing than the things that happen. Yeah, I like thinking like there's a reason that can be found in everything that happens, kind of yeah. a thing. Um, do you have a favorite quote or mantra that you live by? Um, I do. Um, I do like Memento Mori. I've got that tattooed on me. It just means uh, remember death in Latin. Um, I read a story in my junior year of high school that, um, um, so a king was, you know, parading around, um, the square after they had come back from battle and won, you know, just garbed in all purple, which at the time was a, um, a sign of like godliness or something like that. Um, but, um, it's a well, Yes, it's something that was was written. Uh, it might have been a true story, but who's to say? Back in yeah, you know, it was like fifteen hundreds or who's so. Filming it. <laughs> um, yeah, but his person right to his side just told him, you know, all things come to an end. Memento mori. You're still just a you're just a man. So no matter how high you get, you're just a man. Death is death is at the end for all of us. So, so kind of like to stay humble. Yeah, stay humble and remember to live before you die. <laughs> yeah. No, I love you know? that. What do you love most about yourself? Um, I'd say the, um, probably just compassion. Um, I always like to uh, just be as good as I can to people. Um, for the most part, <laughs> a lot of my, um, a lot of people at my work give me shit about how nice I am to people. Um, even if it's just like a random customer coming in, they're like, why would you do that for them? I would have told them to fuck off. Yeah. And I'm like, no, (laughs) like maybe they're having an awful day. Um, or just, you know, maybe they're just mean as anything, but they just need a little bit of help. You you never know what, what happens behind closed doors. They might've needed that. Yeah. No, I I mean, I think that's like one of the most powerful things. Like I literally have an El Arroyo, um, sign quoted like on my room and it says cost zero dollars to be a kind human being and like i try to Im- think about that whenever i yes. do anything love that and last question which is the name of the podcast is how do you find solace in the city and this can be memphis austin wherever. um i you know i'd say circle back to running yeah just I was, running, I was running the streets <laughs> um yeah it it's crazy how busy the city can be, but if you're running through it, you can be so calm and slowed down um, just in your head with everything like kind of buzzing around you. I feel like if you're running like 30 miles, you need to give me like trail tips because you're doing like Ladybird Lake like three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, trail is definitely the way to go if you're trying to do <laughs> um, that much because it just gets so boring on road. But um, yeah, yeah, no, you have to. I've, I went through so many podcasts. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's great to have mental battles too. So it's, it's a boxing ring going through that many miles by yourself. So and true. Yeah. But so before I wrap up, I was hoping that I could share a song 
with my listeners that you would perform. Of course. Um, and I was thinking about the the mental health uh, thing, and I thought about don't think twice. It's all right. It it kind of kind of sort of fits Love the it. thing light. You know. Hold okay. On. Let's let's go. Ain't no use sitting on the wire, babe Even you don't know by now and Ain't no use sitting on the wire, babe It'll never do somehow When your rooster crows at the break of dawn Look out your window and I'll be gone you're the reason I'm traveling on But don't think twice, it's alright It ain't no use in turning on your light, babe Light that I never know It ain't no use in turning on your light, babe I'm on the dark side of the road But I wish there was something you would do or say Try and make me change my mind and stay We never did too much talking anyway But don't think twice, it's alright Ain't no use in calling out my name, gal Like you never did before And ain't no use in calling out my name, gal I can't hear you anymore But I'm thinking, wandering, walking down the road Once loved a woman, a child I'm told I gave her my heart she wanted my soul But don't think twice It's alright So long Honey baby Where I'm bound I cannot tell But goodbye's too good Of a word babe So I'll just say very well and I ain't saying you treated me unkind you could have done better but well I don't mind you just kind of wasted my precious time but don't think twice it's alright Where can everyone like follow your music? Are you on TikTok? Yeah, on um, TikTok and Instagram as Mitchell Davis Music. Amazing. Yeah, two L's. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, Absolutely, it was a blast. And bye, everyone. And if you live in Austin, definitely check him out performing live. Peace. (laughs) 